hello, let's stand and sing. Now I'm way in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. And the stars in the sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. The cattle are lowing, the baby awakes. But little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. I love thee, Lord Jesus, look down from the sky and stay by my cradle till Christmas, everyone. 
We are thrilled to have you here gathering with us here in person. Those of you joining us online, it is a thrill to welcome you to the Emmanuel Baptist Church and Element City Church combined Christmas Eve service. Some of you are shocked because you've never seen me in a tie. You're welcome. So... <clears throat> Glad to have you here tuning in with us. If you are a guest with us or tuning in online, we'd love to invite you to be a part of either Emmanuel on Sundays at 10.30 in the morning here in this room or online or with Elements City Church Sundays at 5 o'clock. Usually we gather here, but this Sunday, Elements is only online. So just tune in online where some of you are at and then just kind of begin the year with us as we kind of want to be churches that invest in your spiritual journey. And so we hope that you have an amazing night tonight. Uh, it's going to be a family-friendly service. We're going to sing a little bit more. Uh, I'm going to share a short message. We're going to end it with a uh, candlelight singing Silent Night together. And so if you're at home, go find a candle, and, and you can join us from home that way. Uh, you'll have to find a lighter because we have that here, but you'll have to find one. So, but you could do that. Uh, so just why don't you say hi to a couple people right around you, and we're going to jump back into singing here. Glad to have you here.
Hey, welcome. I'm the Christmas search engine, and I can help you find anything related to DIY Christmas decorations. Oh, okay. Um, let's jump right in. Here we go. <laughs> what date Christmas this year? Uh, December 25th. What date Christmas next year? December 25th. Song that goes. I think I know what you're looking for. How cook ham? Okay. How cook ham fast? Uh. Oh, ham flamethrower recipe. Wait, what? Christmas present, mom. Nice. Cheap. Nice. What day Christmas 2035? Are you serious? Is Santa Claus real? Uh, you should maybe ask your parents about that. Gift wrap bowling ball. Please be careful. Custom dog Christmas. Sorry, what? Christmas dog custom cute. Oh, you mean costume? Christmas dog costume cute! Gift wrap accordion. Uh, that's gonna be tricky. Can I drink expired eggnog? No. What happens if drink expired eggnog? Why'd you even ask me in the first place? Dealing with relatives. Okay. Dealing with nosy relatives. Oh, uh, well. Dealing with my nosy overbearing relatives who won't stay out of my business. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it's pretty much all the same stuff. <laughs> Gift wrap a saddle. Who are you buying this stuff for? Santa Claus riding a unicorn. Santa Claus riding a unicorn socks. Is that a thing? Search it up. Oh wow, here they are. Take my money. Norwegian tree skirts. How many lights, one outlet? Elf pajamas. Dog singing Christmas carols. <sighs> oh, hello. What is Christmas really about? <laughs> I've got just the thing. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So, Jesus? <laughs> Jesus. May I? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Huh. How fix burnt ham? Okay. You know what? Forget it. Pizza delivery Christmas Eve. No problem. <laughs> All right, how many of you have ever had to do pizza as anyone? No one's ever burnt a ham? Come on. Um, well, we are thrilled to have you here. I hope you don't burn your ham or whatever you're making tonight or tomorrow as you gather with family and friends. And we hope and pray that this is a marvelous Christmas for you. And I know for some of you and some of you maybe watching online, uh, it's been a challenging Christmas. Uh, maybe it doesn't even feel like a normal Christmas to you. And uh, our prayer for you this season is that you would know uh, the, the real gift of Christmas. So much of what goes around the Christmas season is the hustle and bustle and the peripheral and the gifts of Christmas, which are a beautiful thing that you're going to enjoy tonight and into tomorrow. But the gift of Christmas, we want to lean into him tonight, and that is Jesus. 
It is God's gift to you, whether you've opened it or not. And what you may know or may not know is uh, the Apostle Paul kind of captures, I think, the essence of Christmas in one short verse. And if you ever wanted to memorize a Bible verse, like here's a really short one to get right. It's 2 Corinthians 9.15. Here's what it says. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for his indescribable kind of gift. 2 Corinthians 9.15. And in one short verse, he kind of captures this whole idea of what Christmas is about. That Christmas is about this Jesus that is so much bigger and so much broader than you can ever really get your mind around. This gift of Jesus, all of who he is and what he is and all he did and all he continues to do. All of what he means is simply too hard to fully describe. So he's indescribable. In fact, Paul's the only one in the Bible that uses this word, and actually back in the early time when he wrote this, it didn't appear in other places, in other literature. This is kind of this this word that kind of comes onto the scene, this indescribable gift of Christmas in Jesus. Luke chapter 2, we know the narrative story of Jesus. If you've been around church at all or been around the scriptures, maybe you remember these words. It came about while they were there. The days were completed for her, for Mary, to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, and she laid him in a feeding trough in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. He got wrapped in cloths, and and if you think about the reality of God coming to earth, that's probably not how you would write the opening scene of the story. It's probably not how I would write it as well. Uh, We would think a whole lot grander and a whole lot more beautiful introduction of God coming to earth to be with his people, to announce his coming. He's wrapped in cloths, simple cloths laid in a feeding trough, in a manger. It just seems so out of step with how maybe you would write the story. But Jesus came wrapped in so much more than just cloths. And over this December, we've kind of looked at a few different things. If you haven't been with us here on Sunday morning or Sunday night, uh, just a, a quick recap tonight that Jesus came, yes, wrapped in cloths. That's what we see in Luke chapter two. But he really came wrapped in a whole lot more that was going on behind the scenes of what was observable that Christmas night. This baby Jesus came wrapped in prophecy. He came wrapped in prophecy. Hundreds and hundreds of prophecies over hundreds and hundreds of years before that night and his arrival. All predicting who he is and how things would unfold to verify his identity and to confirm his divinity. Here's just eight prophecies about Jesus. The time of his birth you can learn about in Daniel chapter 8 and 9, where he would be born in Bethlehem. He would be born of a virgin from Isaiah. He would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. He would be mocked, crucified, pierced. He would be crucified with the wicked, but yet he would uh, be buried with the rich. Just those prophecies alone, eight of them, Uh, The likelihood of of someone actually fulfilling all those things written hundreds of years before he ever showed up on the scene, before that very first Christmas, is astronomical. In in fact, uh, Professor uh, Peter Stone, uh, chairman of Department of Mathematics and Astronomy at Pasadena College, was passionate about biblical prophecies. And with 600 students in his InterVarsity group, they kind of put together and went to work figuring out the mathematical probability of of Jesus fulfilling eight prophecies. 
Uh, what's the likelihood of that happening? And they came up with conservative probabilities that were staggering. The prospect that anyone would satisfy just eight prophecies was one in 10 to the 17th power. Now, one in uh, 10 to the 17th power, to the 12th power is a trillion, 100 trillion. Anyone ever had 100 trillion? No, we can't even get our mind around 100 trillion, okay? But that's just 12 zeros. So eight prophecies would be 10 followed by 17 zeros. We can't even really get our mind around that. In his book, Science Speaks, his research, he, he talks about how do you try to visualize this? Now, if I were to have a hat and I would put 10 tickets into that hat and I would, the probability, the likelihood of me putting an X on one of those tickets and then mixing those tickets up and pulling out the one with the X on it and the other nine are in there, the likelihood of that is a 10% chance. I have 10 tickets, I have one ticket with an X on it, the likelihood is a 10% chance for me to do that. So then he tried to, to give an illustration, because some of you, you're like, 17 zeros, I, I didn't, I don't, I'm not good, how many of you would say, I'm not good with math? Yeah, that's me, I'd raise my hand. I'm not good with math. And so like the likelihood of trying to understand that, uh, and so he actually put a picture to it. He said, listen, if, uh, how many of you have been through Texas before? If you've been through Texas, you know you've driven for like two or three days to get through Texas. It's like its own country, and they like to tell you that they're their own country, kind of. Uh, it would be like the probability of 10 to the 17th power, you could cover the entire state of Texas in silver dollars two feet high. Think about that. The entire state of Texas, two feet high of silver dollars. And let's say we take one silver dollar, and we put an X on that one silver dollar, we throw it out in the middle of Texas somewhere, we take a giant mixer and shovel, we mix the entire state up two feet high of silver dollars, and we tell Eldon, hey Eldon, uh, you've had knee surgery, so you're good to go, you're good to walk now, so like, you're gonna walk now for two or three days, and he's gonna take off, and whenever you're ready, you just bend down and pick up one silver dollar. And the likelihood of Eldon walking the state of Texas two feet deep in silver dollars and stopping somewhere in Texas outside Amarillo and reaching down and picking up the one silver dollar with an X on it is 10 to the 17th power. Now listen, that's the likelihood of Jesus fulfilling eight prophecies. Now, let me just blow your mind a little bit more. Let's just double that from eight prophecies to 16. The likelihood of Jesus fulfilling just 16 prophecies is 10 to the 45th power. 10 followed by 45 zeros. I couldn't even put that on a slide. But let's just, let's just kind of triple that or quadruple that. The likelihood of Jesus fulfilling 48 prophecies that were foretold hundreds of years before he showed up that very first Christmas is one in 10 to the 157th power. 10 with 157 zeros after it. That's 48 prophecies. Guess how many Jesus fulfilled that we know from the Old Testament? Over 350. I just blew your mind. Not me, but Professor Stoner, who wrote the research on this because I tap out after about algebra. But the truth is, the reality of the probability of Jesus fulfilling these, or of one person fulfilling these, is astronomical. 
Uh, Professor Stoner writes this, any man who rejects Christ as the Son of God is rejecting a fact proved perhaps more absolutely than any other fact in the world. Jesus came wrapped in prophecy and he fulfilled it to an extent that shows his viability and the, the validity of who he is. And he also came wrapped in history, that when he arrived in the scene that very first Christmas, he didn't randomly arrive. We have so many random occurrences that happen in life, but the reality is God's sovereignty is over all things. You come wrapped in history. You come wrapped in a history of a family that's, maybe there's beauty in that, maybe there's brokenness in that. We've all got a family tree and lineage that marks us and impacts us. We have influences of the culture and the settings that we grow up in, the time periods that we grow up in, the places where we are, where we're born, or where we're raised. We have a history of decisions that we make that impact us or history of decisions that were made to us that impact us. We all come wrapped in history, and Jesus came wrapped in history of the moment he was in. That wasn't a random moment. The delivery of Jesus in that moment wasn't random. It was all part of God's plan, his sovereignty, and his activity. The Lord's timing is never random. Part of the power of God is the precision of his activity. And part of the sovereignty is his divine punctuality. He is always on time. You may have been in a moment of life where you're asking God to move faster. I've been there, have you? Well, you're asking God to move. I need to see your activity more, but his timing is never random and it's never off. He's always on time. Galatians 4 says this, the apostle Paul writes again, but when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for those who were slaves to the law so that we could be adopted as his very own children. At just the right time in history, Jesus arrives. He also comes wrapped in a little bit of mystery as well. John 1, 14. So the word, speaking of the word, it's Jesus. So Jesus became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We have seen the glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Verse 18 says this. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. The incarnation is the beautiful, mysterious work of God. Jesus, fully God and fully man. Jesus, God in a bod, if you want to put a slogan to it. He arrives this Christmas so that we can know Jesus is fully God and fully man. See, a good man cannot save. A godly man cannot save. A God-like man cannot save. Only a God-man can truly be humanity's savior. We needed someone with greater, greater cachet than any of us could ever muster to step in our place. That's why Richard Foster writes these words. There is enough evidence for those who want to believe in God and enough mystery for those who want to turn away. Jesus came wrapped in cloths, yes, but he also came wrapped in a whole lot more in prophecy and history and mystery. The gift of Christmas to mankind, to you and to me, is the gift of Jesus. Now, the interesting thing about gifts, hang on one second. The interesting thing about gifts, 
is they really only become a gift when they're given. Right now, it's just in a box. It's pretty to look at, and it's nice, but it really doesn't become a gift until someone receives it, and they open it up for themselves. And they begin to open it, and they begin to, okay, this is my, see, this is what you're looking forward to. Tonight into tomorrow, you're going to gather around, you're going to share gifts with one another, but it doesn't become your gift until you unwrap it. And so the, the question really to wrestle with tonight is have you ever come to a place where you've unwrapped the true gift of Christmas, this Jesus, that has come that you might have a right relationship with God, not based on your merit and how good you are, but have you ever unwrapped the gift that was given that very first Christmas where God said, this is my gift to you, and I want to have a relationship with you. Now, for some of you, you probably have unwrapped that gift, and you started a relationship with Jesus, but my hunch is somewhere along the way for some of you, uh, you just kind of put the gift back up on the shelf. And, and it hasn't really been the focus of your life. And the truth about gifts is they're really not enjoyable and we can't engage with them when they're up on the shelf. It's only when we're active with it. It's only when it's a part of who I am and I'm engaged in it where it actually begins to grow in us. So we begin to see and be able to enjoy. And maybe you've grown up thinking, there's no way God would actually give me a gift. He... If he's really God, and you know my story, he, there's no way that I'm even good enough. And I would say to you, you're right. In fact, there's no way I'm good enough either. In fact, the truth is, you may have a hard time even believing that God actually wants a relationship with you. But what we remember that very first Christmas and the reason we tell the story year after year after year is the reality of what that Christmas story said then and what it says now. God actually is for you. He actually longs to have a relationship with you. And maybe in the midst of the last craziness of the last two years, your heart has longed to connect with God. And so maybe for some of you, like most of our culture, we kind of drift toward this Santa Claus theology. I've just got to be good enough. I, I just got to work good enough. I got to get off the naughty list, and I got to get on the nice list. Maybe this Santa Claus theology can be framed in a simple song. He's making a list, checking it twice, gonna find out who's naughty or nice. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. So you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. Thank you for not leaving me hanging. <laughs> for many people in our culture, they somehow view religion or this whole idea of relationship with God through the Santa Claus theology filter. I've just got to be good enough. I've got to eliminate some of the naughtiness. Listen, I know I'm broken. 
but I've got to get good enough. And God's always watching. And so he's always looking and he's always checking. He's making a list and he's checking it twice and he's trying to find out if I'm naughty or nice. And friend, the truth is, we're all naughty. See, the scriptures declare some bad news over you and over me. There ain't none of us that are good enough or could ever be good enough in order to get on the nice list with the creator of the heavens and the earth. You couldn't do it. You can't do it. And you won't be able to do it. But here's the good news. The good news is God didn't send you a Santa Claus theology. He sent you and he sent me a savior. At the end of the day, that's what Christmas declares. The bad news is we're all on the naughty list. The good news is Jesus came because we were naughty and because we'd never be good enough. So life in God's kingdom and life with God and experiencing God's love is a free gift. In fact, it's given for you. But the only way for you to really experience and enjoy and engage with the gift is to take it and to begin to unwrap it for yourself. And and so the question tonight is, have you ever unwrapped the gift of Christmas? Luke chapter two, the angel declares to the shepherds that night, I bring you good news of great joy. The Greek word for great there is mega. I love that. I I give you good news of mega joy. Yes, worth shouting about. Mega joy. Today in the city of David, there's been born to you, not a Santa Claus, but a Savior. Born to you. He is Christ the Lord. That was the Christmas message that was declared 2,000 years ago. That's the Christmas message that will be declared 2,000 years from now. Why? Because it's the gift of Christmas. Have you unwrapped it? It's what Paul says. It's this indescribable kind of gift. Romans 10.9 says this, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's how you accept the gift. You just take God at his word where he says to you, this is for you. And friend, if you're watching online or if you're here in the room and you've never done that, I invite you to talk to the friend that brought you to come see us afterwards. Let's unwrap that gift together. It's the best gift you'll ever get this Christmas or any other Christmas. It's the gift of a relationship with God. Christmas invitation by God says, look, look what I've done to come near to you. Now draw near to me. I don't want to be a concept, God says. I want to be your friend. That's the gift of Christmas. So friend, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, and maybe you've kind of put put the gift of that relationship back up on the shelf. Pull it back down. We want to be churches that walk alongside you and help you grow in your faith journey. And that all begins with saying yes to Jesus first. And so we invite you to consider that tonight. We're gonna continue on in a song here. And in this moment, we invite you just to reflect a little bit on that divine holy night. And then we're gonna have a candle lighting portion where we are remembering the hope, the hope of Jesus, this hope of a relationship, this hope of a savior, not a Santa Claus, 
this hope of a savior that comes for you and for me. And so, Father, as we gather into a moment of just singing together, as we light these candles in another moment and sing Silent Night together, we pray that your spirit would just be at move. I pray for any who are watching online or here in the room that have never unwrapped this gift of Christmas, this relationship with Jesus. You have shown us, Jesus, that you have come, that we might have life in you and with you and through you. I pray that you'd help us to say yes to you and to continue to walk out the yeses in the every single day moments of our lives. And so would you minister to our hearts as we sing together, as we light these candles in a moment, we pray. stars are brightly shining it is the night of our dear Savior's birth long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul The thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn for.
we remember that night unlike any other night in history. As God put on flesh and declared once and for all that you are loved, you are noticed, you are seen, that you're worth saving, and that he didn't expect you to make your way to him. And so he made his way to you. That is the gift of Christmas. So we remember, as we light a candle, continually be reminded through the end of this year and every moment of next that Emmanuel, God with us, walks with you, wants to have an ongoing relationship with you. Have you unwrapped the gift of Jesus? Have you put it back up on the shelf? Maybe haven't thought you were worth it. 
the invitation at Christmas is you are, not because you're good enough, not because you're on the nice list, because God sent us a savior. And all of our rest is found there. That's grace. And that's all you need. It's all you need. It's all you need. So may you have a wonderful Christmas with family, friends, with others. May his blessing be upon you. Uh, friend, if you're a part of Elements or Emmanuel, we'd love to invite you to, to continue with us into this new year. If you want to do any year-end gifts, uh, there's boxes in the back. You could do that or you can do that online. Thank you for being partners in the ministry that God has for us to reach the one million people in this city that need to unwrap the gift of Christmas for themselves. So may God leverage your life and may you leverage these churches and his churches across the city to reach people he's trying to reach. And may you have a blessed, blessed, merry, merry Christmas. On your way out, you can blow your candle out and there's a, a bucket you can put it in. Thank you for being here, friends. We'll see you Sunday if you're coming to Emmanuel, Sunday night online if you're coming to Elements. Merry Christmas. Say, say Merry Christmas to a few people on the way out. God bless you.